Hello and welcome to Freelance Corner. I'm Ben and this is Orla. Today we're speaking to Luan Wise. Luan is a chartered marketer, social media consultant, trainer and author. Her self-published book has won a National Indie Excellence Award and her social media planner was listed by The Independent as one of the nine best books for entrepreneurs. Luan will be speaking to us about social media and how freelancers should market themselves online. Hi Luan, welcome to the show. Hi, good to see you both. I think the first thing our listeners will be thinking is what is your journey into freelancing and how has it been so far? I've been freelancing for 11 years now, 11 years, September 2022. I guess everyone has their own journey into it, but mine was with my previous employer. They were my first client. Um, It was a, a joint discussion relationship with them. So I guess, you know, there wasn't kind of a a stop and a start something new or have to kind of have this blank sheet of paper and go I'm a freelancer now what do I do I transitioned over period from from being an employee to working with them as my first client so now you know something that I'm hugely grateful for that wasn't a a huge transition apart from having to speak to HMRC get an accountant and do all the admin and the things that you kind of go oh I didn't really think about this I'm I'm running a business I think that's the biggest thing about freelancing is you are running a business it's it's not another job there's all that kind of admin and and prep and resources that goes around it before we move on to like social media and yeah running your own business and everything what was it like getting that second client then because if your first client was your old employer the second one must have been like oh I, I actually am a proper freelancer now in a way my second client, there's also a story to this, and it's a lovely one. My second client was confirmed in my first official week of being a freelancer. And it was actually my employer from my university holidays <laughs> that would have been like 15 years ago. So I'm originally from, from Cambridge. I have a network in Cambridge. And my placement manager, um, I kept in touch with her she's one of my best friends now you know told her what I was doing she was in a meeting in Cambridge internally someone had said you know we're looking for a freelancer she mentioned my name and it was like Luanne worked for us behind the bar in this building (laughs) when she was a a student so I went and had a meeting caught up with them and so yeah weirdly but also very lovely my second client was the estate management team at the University of Cambridge and it was where I'd worked as a 19 20 year old and then I was back in my early 30s as their marketing consultant wow that's that's mad (laughs) yeah mad and I guess that's always my biggest takeaway tip from any reflection is the power of your network the power of relationships from you know from from years that they can go back and people remember you and and in different forms of, of life and, and what you're doing and what you're working on as well. So hugely valuable to kind of keep in touch with people and let them know what you're doing. I think that's, I think that's really a good piece of advice. I mean, I don't know what my network is. Although I don't <laughs> yeah, know what I'm yours here is. I'm reflecting, wondering, <laughs> hmm, who are my network? How am I using them efficiently? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think the thing is, it's not always planned. You know, I wouldn't have sat there and gone, oh, I must keep in touch with everyone because one day they'll be, yeah. you know, valuable to me. I think it's just something that comes naturally from keeping in touch with people. And even even now, you know, even getting work now, I would say most of my work as a freelancer is through some kind of referral or or networking. And it's 
yeah, it just it feels quite natural, not kind of, you know, I'm I'm only going to connect with people that I think will buy my services one day. It is almost the the buying you and the relationship and and the way you work as well as the services. So I would say, you know, yeah, I get I get calls from, oh, you know, you worked with us or you worked with someone nine years ago and you're kind of like, okay. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, to the topic of this this talk is actually I think it's the social media activity in between that keeps you visible with your network, even if you're not actually having cups of coffee and meetings and conversations with them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's actually a really nice thing to remember as well, thinking about, you know, how valuable it is when you have a business connection, but you actually end up being really good friends as well. It's super fulfilling. And yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes work more fun. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to social media that you likely touched on, I was just wondering, you know, sometimes it can be quite difficult to, as a newcomer, if you're starting up a new business um, that sells, you know, a product or a service and you want to grow your business, what would you advise is, you know, the best way to get started on social media? And what do you think, you know, the ways are that you can make it work for you as a newbie? Big questions. And so I guess I should say, you know, I'm a freelance marketer and my specialism is is social media. That's the world I'm in. And do you know what? I've been doing this for 11 years and and it felt that, you know, it's a, it's a long time. I had that nice transition into it. But a newbie today, I think, is really tough. Um, and I admire anyone that is kind of setting themselves up today, whether they're doing it straight from university or whether they've had a longer career and setting up. It's a really big, bold move. And I would certainly say anyone that thinks that freelancing is a stopgap between jobs or an easy thing to do it isn't. Um, so, you know, it's kind of frustrating when you do hear those comments. But I think as a newbie, you know, setting up on social media, that there's this shift sometimes, isn't there? Because the use of social media often starts with how you use it personally and socially, whether you're slightly older, perhaps, and are used to Facebook, or whether you're, you know, now in a younger Gen Z, you know, group and using TikTok for entertainment and things like that. There's there's it got to be this switch between how you use social media socially and for entertainment and, you know, everything else you do versus I'm now a business owner as a freelancer or a contractor and I need to use this to support my business and what I'm doing. I'm very much a planner. So I would always say, don't just start dive in. Let's take some time. Let's think about this. And there's a few things to think about. There is, you know, which platforms are you going to use? There is more and more every day. And even if you do social media as part of your role, like I do, you can't do all of them. You know, you cannot possibly do all of them and be everywhere all the time. So I would say decide on your platforms and ideally focus on where you're most likely to find your customers. You know, that's where you're going to get the biggest wins overall. The biggest tip I would give anyone in the world of social media, new or not, is to think about your time and your resources you know, and be realistic around it. How much time can you spend on this? This is effectively your marketing activity for your business or your, your business development. How much time have you got out of your available hours to spend on that versus your admin, your accountancy and, you know, prep and, and saleable hours? I would start with thinking, how much time have I got? And then focus on what you can get done within that time. Because we all know that you can log on to TikTok or or Facebook or Instagram and, you know, three hours later, you're still scrolling and you've not done anything productive. If you've got that, I'm using social media for my business, 
hat on, you've got to take control of your time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And with that in mind, you know, the fact that starting out in this day and age, you know, you have to balance so many different aspects. Do you think there are any benefits to, you know, outsourcing? Does outsourcing have any role in, you know, starting out? This is also a challenge. And I would say as a as a freelancer, new business, or maybe more established, but still, you know, small business freelancer, it is about your resources. It is about thinking what your strengths are, you know, and you read lots of stuff around, you know, focus on your strengths and outsource those that you're not so good at. There's obviously budget involved in that. You would need to pay if you outsourced. Going back to my points about kind of referrals and people buying people and your network, think about how easy it is to perhaps outsource yourself and your personality and, you know, personal branding, if you will. I think that's really tough. I think even if any business of any size outsources, they still need to own the plan. They still need to define the goals and set the objectives, those kind of things. Depending on your, you know, I know that within the Ipsay membership, there's a huge range from from IT to design to, you know, all sorts of skill sets. If you need photography support or videography support or writing support, absolutely you can outsource in many different ways and, and get support for your activity but I wouldn't say it's something that you can buy from a box on a shelf and and it's done and you don't need to, to think about it. You do need to stay heavily involved. And even when I've supported people who are, are outsourcing, as an individual, you still need to do the engagement. You still need to do the likes and the thank yous and the comments and the, the connecting. It would, be, it would be inauthentic if you didn't do that for yourself. Is it quite hard for people to understand what their brand is online? Because... If I if I became a freelancer tomorrow, I I don't know where I would start. Like, how do you like find out what your USP is or makes you different on like let's say LinkedIn or other social media channels? Try not to overthink it too much is probably <laughs> the big thing. You know, you'll read all of this stuff yeah. about having a niche and doing this and appealing to your target audience and and you know addressing their pain points. And that's all true. You know, that's marketing fundamentals. And I guess maybe because I've been doing this for twenty plus years, it is more natural to to what I'm doing. I think what needs to be the focus is letting people know what you do and letting people know how you can help them and everything that you're doing being focused on those people that you're going to help. So for example, you know, there'll be certain businesses types that don't appeal to me and my interests. And so I don't think I'm a good fit for them. So I would imagine that if you looked at my content, you would go, well, Luan's not writing for me because doesn't have a fit but if you were saying it was sectors that I do work in I would be writing content or posts that were relevant to them that was about what they're doing and there's a match so I think you do need to decide you know kind of where you're going and what you're offering but if you'd have asked me did I do that 11 years ago do I do it now no I think it's (laughs) it's kind of not overthinking it and just more storytelling what you're doing on a daily basis not even daily it doesn't need to be be that frequent but you'll look at my social media content and my profiles and they will hopefully tell you who I work with what I do what kind of things I get up to where I'm speaking who I support organizations and so it's a bit more storytelling rather than you know there is no buy button on social media you can't hit that buy button so it's it's much more about the kind of relationship networking I guess it's like leaning into like the whole point of self-employment and freelancing like you know, you can work who you want to, you know, all that flexibility. So you might as well brand yourself with the things you actually want to. 
so yeah that makes re- a lot of sense but like coming back to like actually getting you know reach on social media platforms do you think it's more organic that gets more results or do you think freelance should also put paid ads on on sites to also get reach and get potential clients reach is you know is the goal is the desire the more people that see your stuff you know the more people that know about you could decide they want to work with you could refer you could recommend or just generally aware of you so you know reach is a huge goal and you know you'll you'll read from other people that you know that is the way that social media is going for social media i think particularly for freelancers and small businesses is tough I wouldn't start paying until things are working well organically and you kind of go, well, this works really well organically. Maybe if I put some money behind it, it would do even better. It's also, you know, it depends again on your, it always depends, your size of business. Do you need loads of clients? You don't need to do kind of mass advertising. And I think social media isn't a marketing communications channel. We wouldn't, you probably wouldn't ask me that question about, should a freelance have a 48 sheet poster outside a train station? Should a 48 sheet, <laughs> you know, should, 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 we wouldn't have that, you know, should I run radio ads when everyone's on their commute in the morning? You will probably never, ever ask me that. But with social media, it's kind of like, you know, should I put £10 behind this? And I would say, you know, that's what makes social media different. And people see it as a quicker win and a silver bullet. But it is just another marketing comms channel. So if you applied that thinking of, 48 sheet posters and radio and TV and everything else, you probably wouldn't do it. You might do. Again, it depends. But you might use paid ads if you had something specific. So if you had a download that you wanted lots of people to receive, if you were running an event and you want people to come along to it and you want more people to know about it, if you were launching a book and you wanted people to do it, I think it's more about what is the message and what do you want people to do rather than I need to do something paid. What shall I do? You know, kind of think about the what before the the tactic part of it. I love that though. Imagine imagine a poster for a, a very niche freelance job. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do it, would you? Yeah, it's a great way to think about it, really. Great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that there are any social media apps that are underdogs that are worth looking into if you're a freelancer and you want to promote your business? I keep hearing a lot of stuff about how Pinterest is really good for growing your audience, but isn't used as much in the UK as it is in the US. And there's also another app called Vero as well that's like an alternative to Instagram. But yeah, it'd be great to hear more about what you think. Um, There is niche channels out there and it comes back to the, you know, which platform should you be using, the ones where your audience are and hanging out. So, you know, if you think your audience are on Reddit or Quora or something, then absolutely go there there first. And, you know, I do spend as much time talking with clients about closing social media accounts down as I do about opening them. Probably more so, particularly on Twitter, where they may have lots of accounts and, you know, ones that are dormant or they're just not running. So don't think that you have to be on everything just, you know, to keep it there. What can be useful way to think about this is there's going to be a couple of social media platforms where I'm going to be active, where I'm going to use it for networking and connecting and posting content. And that may be LinkedIn. I would suggest that everyone should have a presence on LinkedIn. I think it would be a bit questionable if someone couldn't be found on LinkedIn now. But whether Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Twitter, Be Real, Vero, all the others are right for you, is for you to decide. But you could consider that some of these other platforms are actually useful for you to be in 
to gather information and insights, but you're not actually posting on there. So I do use other social media platforms, but I'm not necessarily active there, but I will use it to find out, you know, what people are saying about something or what latest trends are. And this isn't relevant to freelancers, but this is my best example from hearing someone from Pinterest talk in that several years ago, Tiffany's decided which engagement rings they were going to use in their Valentine's Day campaigns based on what people were pinning on Pinterest in the, you know, wannabe bride categories. And they were able to identify that there was a certain style of ring that all the, you know, the wannabe brides were were pinning to their boards. And so Tiffany's were able to take that insight and go, if this is what's on trend and people really want, that's what we're going to use in our campaigns. So use some platforms for insights and news and information because that's what social media is great at. It's real time. It's what people are thinking. But you don't necessarily have to be active there. You can take that insight and use it in blogs, on your website, in talks and the platforms that you are using. Have there ever been any like sort of horror stories of you going to a client going, you should take down this one because maybe it's like a freelance accountant doing a TikTok dance or, <laughs> you know, some, not maybe not as like outlandish as that, but has there ever been like a case where like this is really not, like doesn't work with your brand and what you're offering? I think if people are open enough to have someone like me interrogate what they're doing, then they're open to the, the feedback as an audit to, to start with. The way that I would present it would be to back it up with data and to talk about their resources and almost say, you know, show some data tools and say, look, your audience just aren't playing on this platform. They're not engaging. They're not sharing compared to this one and and use real data to kind of back up my argument. And then it's not just about kind of saying, shut it down. It's saying why and what you should do instead. You know, your resources would be better off used if you did this or your resources would be better if we just had one core account and we managed it in this way and and this is the way to do it or actually you have two choices but if all of your teams aren't going to be active on Twitter you can't just have one team that is and the others aren't so your choice is either everyone plays or they don't play so it's kind of coming up with the options but not just saying don't just say no it's more the data says and these are your alternatives people do have ideas you know the thing about marketing is that there is always everyone that has an idea about it. thing with social media is everyone will kind of say, you know, this is what's trending. Should we do it? My answer to that, and actually I've worked on this quite closely on one client because, you know, do you get involved in trending content or do you not? And there's often a balance between what we may find amusing and funny as individuals versus should the brand get involved with this? And actually we decided that our best approach is to have a group of people that are diverse you know, across gender, ethnicity, age groups, and that actually we have a conversation about it because what might appeal to me in my 40s is very different to what might appeal to someone in their 20s and genders as well. So actually when it comes to the trending topics and that kind of content and the platforms and getting involved, it has to, you know, kind of have a a mix of people and inputs into that. Yeah, I think that's definitely a healthy approach to it because you know, diversity is really essential. So, I mean, the idea of, you know, white men <laughs> in a boarding room, is just not, it's just not the one. <laughs> no, no, you, you've got, you've got to consider it. And, you know, there is unconscious bias and as much effort as everyone can take, you do miss things and you do hit the mark. And we're all in our, you know, however much we like to think 
that we're not we are all in certain certain bubbles so it's just about making sure that the shared opinions and approaches to do it and things change all the time as well what we may decide today may be completely out of context or irrelevant in three months time so you've kind of got to keep talking about it yeah exactly do you have any thoughts on sustainable marketing at all because i think that's something which i see on social media and ever else now and do you think it's important in like business strategy now as a freelancer it is hugely important and there is a wonderful book out on sustainable marketing by Gemma butler and michelle carville and i think it's garen evans they have a podcast about it they they talk about it it's a brilliant actionable book the importance is that it's not just a trend, not greenwashing, piggybacking on on something. You've got to kind of prove that you walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And it can't just be a, a one-off thing on World Earth Day or or something like that. And that's the same as, you know, the gender diversity, you know, topics as well. You can't talk about these things if you're not actually living and breathing them as well. But we do know green issues, sustainability are high on agendas. And I think it needs to be one of those kind of core content pillars that you talk about ongoing, not just as a one-off hit. But yeah, that book, highly recommend it. Great. It sounds fab. We'll um, pop it in the notes below so everyone can have a look. Do you have any tips for, you know, maintaining a healthy balance as a freelancer when, you know, you're using social media so much and you've also got your own personal life and work? How do you, you know, balance all of that? After 11 years, I still don't think I've got it right. Um, (laughs) And and I think that probably, you know, supports my comment about, you know, if people think that freelancing is easy or a quick win versus, you know, a proper job or, or employment, I think that is the biggest challenge. You are running your own business. You're a business owner. There is little consistency. You know, we talk about feast and famine and, you know, it is like that. You know, it's not the same You've got to to manage your time and resources, setting boundaries. I think if you work in social media, it's even harder because it is your job. You know, if I could take the apps off my phone for a week, I would probably relish that opportunity, but I can't. That's that's my role. (laughs) Um, You know, so I think it is becoming more and more important to, you know, for mental health and, and well-being and being able to, you know, be consistently available and and good at what you're doing and and providing a service. You know, you're only ever as good as your last campaign or your last project is to try and set your boundaries. But I think possibly that comes back to the kind of clients that you work with as well and the relationships that you had. You said, oh, you know, isn't it great if you can work with your friends? And I think if you have strong relationships, then the boundaries are, are easier to set or understand and to work with people as well. Yeah. That's fab. Yeah, that's a great thing to bear in mind. That's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, I feel like sometimes a lot of people wish they could just delete like Twitter or maybe their emails. Um, I think someone I met once said, life is a series of emails. If you're on social media, <laughs> I guess life is a series of posts as well. Uh, uh, well, you know, kind of, you know, I do a lot of training work as, as well as consultancy. And there's always part of me that is in huge admiration for people that have never set up a social media account. You know, I think I would have a bit of FOMO around, you know, what's this latest thing? I haven't used it. I haven't tried it. But, you know, if you've got to the stage, you know, LinkedIn's been around since 2003 and you haven't got a profile and you haven't played with it, I've almost got a certain level of admiration for, um, <laughs> you know, for people not not getting into it. And yeah, we're, we're seeing the other side now that actually, you know, Gen Z and teenagers 
are digital natives, but they're not as interested in social media and they're quite happy not to be on there and they don't want to be on there. Whereas for those of us that are on there, it's it's perhaps a bit harder to to move away from it. So I think it has to be conscious decisions. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I actually recently met uh, quite a well-known designer and they just don't have LinkedIn at all. And I've met quite a few different creatives actually that don't have LinkedIn. I feel like maybe you'd be more on the dots though as well if you're like a designer or something like that. Yeah, but that could be that they're engaging more peer-to-peer rather than with potentially where they're target customers and the people they're going to buy from but it has to come back to that all the way at the beginning you know which platforms and your time and resources and and all those other factors in between so yeah i do admire people that can switch off what do you think the future of social media marketing looks like do you think do you think people all these young people are gonna sort of leave and go into like actually meet people outside and networking <laughs> events and avoid all these apps or do you think oh, there's gonna be a new yeah. app what, what do you think that's such a big question and it could change between today and what you know when this podcast goes out as to what happens in the world (laughs) the rise of tiktok is huge you know we know that it's growing that people are on there but it's always different when a brand brands start getting involved and brands start playing and businesses start advertising it changes the nature of the platform from what its original users wanted which was about entertainment with their friends so platforms change all the time there will always be new things come some will stick some won't some will get bought by the bigger players some of the features will get copied by the bigger players you know be real which was supposed to be the next gen z one you know a couple of minutes a day we're now seeing instagram talking about taking on those features so i don't think we're going to see any of the big big players disappear but i think they are going to evolve but i do think the users are having more of a say now and are st- more strongly opinionated about what they want from the platforms or what they want to do on the platforms than ever before. So perhaps more user-generated, driven features, benefits, changes rather than necessarily the platforms doing what they think we want them to do. That kind of leads me to think more about Web3 as that mm-hmm. really ties in and the kind of potential of Web3 and what does that mean for social media? I guess we'll have to find out. <laughs> it's one to watch. And the, the challenge of working in marketing and social media is almost like you've got to always have one foot in the future and seeing what's happening and what's coming next. But then I go back to the, you know, we just talked about some people don't have LinkedIn profiles yet and it's been around for 2003. So how far can you go in the in the future and be ready for the future? When will your audience be there to potentially catch up with you and be there too? And I think the challenge that we've got now is that actually we're adding platforms on, we're not replacing. So anyone that's using TikTok now hasn't stopped necessarily using Instagram. So we're kind of making the, the workload resources wider and broader and the skill sets wider and broader as well you know marketers 20 years ago we didn't really need to know that much about data apart from how to to do a report whereas now we need to be graphic designers video creators idea generators voiceovers and and so much more so you know how big can our role get how much is driven by marketing or you know web3 i think we need to be thinking about it and understanding it 
But again, it's one of those, oh, shiny new things. Should we dive straight in or should we actually kind of watch and plan and, and take a more considered approach? I guess it's also more things that freelancers can charge for. They can go, I can charge for this, I can charge for that. I can also do this and I can also do that. And we like that. You know, we, we yeah. like <laughs> new opportunities. And uh, that's also the thing about forward thinking and being ready for the next opportunity. You know, I don't know whether, you know, social media didn't exist when I was at university and studying. So is it still going to exist in another 10 years or do do we need to shift and the thing about being a freelancer is that you do constantly evolve you're constantly learning you're update making sure that your skills are up to date because that's what people are buying so yeah we we need to be thinking about it if you could give one key piece of advice to somebody who wanted to market themselves on social media what would it be and why? You know, marketing yourself. I will say, you know, even as a marketer, it's not easy, this marketing yourself. It feels icky. It feels uncomfortable sometimes. My biggest tip would be to be visible and to stay visible. You know, you have to show people that you're there, that you're open to work and receiving work and wanting to work with people. So you've got to be visible. And that includes the presence on social media, whichever platforms you choose. And when you are visible and, you know, you're all set up and, and looking great and, you know, your profiles are all written, it's about showing up. And in terms of staying visible, my tip for that would be consistency. Whether that's every day, whether it's once a week or once a fortnight, it's about being consistent. And the danger that freelancers have in particular is they get really busy with projects and they disappear and they forget about their stuff. And then a project comes to the end or, you know, something happens and you've got time in your diary and say oh I need to do some marketing again and you know a bit of a yo-yo effect there is the feast and famine but I think if you can just show up consistently worry about whether you've got capacity or not when the opportunities come in be visible and just keep showing up with your storytelling and what you're doing what you're working on and how you help I think it's so easy to feel overwhelmed and you know sometimes as a freelancer you do have high aims and goals you maybe give yourself too many things to do. So I think it's healthy to kind of have a consistency mentality rather than setting yourself really high goals that are sometimes not so attainable and then you end up feeling not so great about that. Yeah, you've got to find a way to take the pressure off yourself. And last but not least, if you had to pick three things <laughs> that you found useful or inspiring for your own freelancing career, what would they be and why? For me, I am a lifelong learner. I constantly learn. I'm constantly reading, understanding what other businesses are doing, case stories. You know, I've just read the Airbnb story. I've just finished, you know, the Netflix story. It's just constantly learning and seeing what I can apply. So I guess I'm inspired by by learning and keep learning and reading and staying up to date. I think I'm also inspired by the people around me that I talk to. I think you have to have your own network, whether that's peer-to-peer but also I'm I hugely love the training work that I do, you know, and, and when I'm training and teaching, I learn as much in those sessions as I think that I teach and, and information I share because I see them more as a kind of facilitative approach, understand what people's challenges are and how we can respond to them. So I think you've got to kind of be inspired by the people around you as well. And then I think I guess maybe just a resource is one about, you know, support. Um, information it is having that support network so I would say it's about the professional bodies so I am a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing I've supported um, other organizations in the past I'm an ambassador for IPSA have been for about five years now so it's about 
it's about the support and the networks and the learning around you. Thank you so much, Leon. It's been really great chatting to you. Thank you. Yeah, really good to have you on the show. Enjoyed it. That's it for this week's episode. You'll be able to find information on freelancing in the show notes below and on the Freelance Corner website. Do you have a question about freelancing that you want us to put to an expert? Drop us an email at content at freelancecorner.co.uk. We'd love to hear your queries. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you follow us so you don't miss out on our next episode. You can find us on all major platforms and just let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time.